0: Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today on Fostering Solutions is Charles Patton. Charles, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm fine, Michelle. Thank you.
0: Yeah, let's start off by, you know, just Tell the audience about yourself. Who is Charles Patton?
1: All right. Well, uh, Charles Patton uh, is from Nashville, Tennessee. was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, is married and has two adult children. The uh, adult kids uh, are grown and gone, as we like to say. (laughs) And uh, we live in, currently my wife, Deborah, and I live in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we've been married for 36 years, and so um, just uh, enjoying life and enjoying uh, my work and family and uh, just everything about life.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And we met when you were in Charleston. So you went from Charleston, West Virginia, to Columbus, Ohio. And have you gotten to lot? Is now which city is better? Is it Charleston or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't wanna.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. They're 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 very different. Okay. And for us, we have always been kind of urban nights and really okay. like the allure of the things that a little bit larger city than Charleston could offer. So it's great being here with a, a huge university and everything mm-hmm. that it brings with the arts. Yeah. Um and just the just a lot going on. And, and Columbus is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there appears to always be something going on, but there's also a lot of opportunity. It's a very diverse city, mm-hmm. um, it has its challenges, but it's uh, also interesting to get involved in some of those challenges.
0: Right, helping to work on solutions, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So you are the executive vice president for external affairs for AEP, our power company, American Electric Power. And it's, you know, it's an old company, it's been around a while since 1906. Um, give the audience a feel for, the, for AEP's current footprint.
1: Okay, so happy to. Yeah, and that's always important because people always think of AEP as their electric company and they think about it in the geography that they live. But actually, AEP as an energy company is in 36 states. In addition to the 11 states we're in as a utility, a regulated utility where we serve individual residences and individual businesses, that's in 11 states but um, in about 26, 27, because some of them are duplicative, Mm -hmm. uh, other states, we provide just broad energy services. So for example, about five years ago, we uh, purchased the entire renewable portfolio of Southern California Edison. Uh So with that, we purchased all the wind farms, all the solar, all the storage, and we've expanded on that portfolio. So we have a fairly large footprint also in renewable energy uh, okay. throughout the country.
0: Okay. okay, yeah. So you've been with AEP now how long?
1: Uh, I've been with AEP now with an asterisk uh, for the 27 years this year. Okay. And the asterisk is because in 2000, AEP merged with a company called Central and Southwest, which was headquartered Mm -hmm. in Dallas, Texas. And that company and AEP merged. um, And the the Central and Southwest, when you look at an AEP map, the Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas regions are ones that were originally central and southwest. So, okay. um, so you become an AEP employee, of course, for that uh, duration. So, twenty-seven years this year.
0: Okay, so kind of describe your career trajectory, and you know, if, talk about what the journey's been like. Have you had challenges you had to overcome?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, I always like to. Uh, be thankful for the opportunity and experiences that I've had. Gratitude is really an important, I think is an important characteristic of of success. Um, And it's an important characteristic of leadership too. So I am uh, just very thankful for all the opportunities that I have had uh, throughout my career. And it's a combination of hard work, and it is also, make no mistake about it, no one does it alone. It's also the interjection of individuals at various points of my career who've made a significant difference, whether it was a lesson that I learned or whether or not they, made, they took the opportunity to directly touch my career in a way uh, that was very positive. So it's, you know, 98 percent of it has been incredibly good and positive and that also includes sometimes when you're going through a rough patch sometimes those rough patches you, you know for the for the church folk in the audience you know mm-hmm. our religion and our history mm-hmm. is about overcoming trouble and 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 you learn from that trouble and you learn from those experiences so i say all that to say that um You know, all the experiences, whether they're negative or whether they're positive or somewhere in between, they all come together to, you know, to help you get to where you need to be or to define you as a person. Just as it does as you grow up, it does as you grow up in business or in your career too. So, um, in terms of just the career itself, uh, I've been really fortunate. I started my career. I've been in the business. Be thirty-seven. 37 years this year In my first 10 years was with a company called Houston Light and Power, which is now Centerpoint Energy. And I started as an individual contributor and an opportunity came. There was a really important issue was out there. Uh, I had demonstrated strong analytical st- skills and writing skills. Mm-hmm. And um, that opportunity Put me in front of leadership in the company at a very early juncture mm-hmm. in my career, and that led to other opportunities. So, so the first thing I would say is, make no mistake about it, opportunity matters. You know, there are lots of folks who get frustrated because they're working hard and they're smart and they're doing the right things, and they say, you know, man, I just can't seem to get there opportunity does matter. And sometimes it's not fully within your control. And sometimes it may be. So I always encourage people to try to, you know, leverage and see where they can create opportunity. In mine, I just kind of stepped into it. And it gave me a level of visibility, which gave me an opportunity to start doing different things, to start doing things more visible I was writing speeches, writing testimony for the CEO of the company. I migrated from being a, a regulatory specialist, kind of working on rate cases, to being a bigger policy person, mm-hmm. which led me to go into a government affairs, which led me to DC, which led me to be hired away by Central and Southwest for another opportunity. Mm-hmm. And possibly the biggest thing that happened as I think about my career, was because I demonstrated sound leadership in one area. There was a CEO in the company, Mike Morris, at AEP in 2004. He said, you know what? I think you had a leadership skills to do this thing over here. And this thing over there was to actually run a utility, which no one was more surprised than me. I wasn't an engineer. Um, i You know, I didn't have a lot of great depth of knowledge about buying trucks or transformers, any of that, but he took a chance and the experience was not only positive for me, but I think it was positive for the organization. We completely turned a troubled organization around. Mm -hmm. one that wasn't financially sound it was financially sound by the time I left one that had a poor culture which had the highest culture scores in the system by the time I left Mm -hmm. and that's not a tribute to Charles Patton what that is is a tribute to working together with people to you know to bring together a vision and then execute on that vision in fact I would argue the fact that I didn't know that much made me more dependent on the team and made me even more collaborative, which led to our success. And from there, um, I came to Columbus, was promoted to um, an executive vice president over the Western Utilities, and was sent to APCO in in Charleston again, because there was um, kind of an underperforming utility. And so the guy who's not an engineer, uh, who doesn't have you know a great depth of knowledge or didn't have in that uh, space, became the person who was the fixer, where you know utilities where some of our companies may have been struggling. And 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 I, and again, that's not about Charles Patton. What that's about is having the fund making sure you have fundamental skills, okay. making sure you utilize the team, and making sure that you engage all the employees and the success and all the team members in the success of the organization. So um that's kind of a
0: quick run saying, yeah. And it's I think almost language- like along the way people have seen skills and and um Certain attributes in you that you didn't even realize, and then they gave you opportunity to really shine. That's what it, it's sounding like. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. That's exactly what happened, and um, and that's why I say those opportunities you can't take them for granted. And you know, when people say, you know, I get the saying, "I pull myself up by my bootstraps." Oh, my I get goodness. that, but the reality is. It just it when you really take time to reflect, it's never simply that way. And it goes back to whether it was your mama, your grandmama, your Someone aunt, along your uncle. The way. Mm-hmm. It just it just really not that way
0: when you think about it.
1: Absolutely. And it's about opportunity and being prepared for the opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you when you think about the skills and attitudes and behaviors that. Um, you have learned along the way or adopted along the way. What do you think those are? And as you have evolved into leadership, what are some of those skills, attitudes, and behaviors that you have learned or adopted um, in order to achieve the success that you have so far?
1: Well, the first thing and the most important one is human capital Mm -hmm. is the most important thing. Meaning, and that's just, you know, a business where it's in people. It's all about people. And when you first start, so I always like to, if I was putting myself in a leadership category, I'd say I'm a servant leader. Mm -hmm. I really try to get my hand on the pulse of what motivates, what energizes the organization and see where I can connect. And if the alignment isn't where it needs to be, how can I get that organization to realize that it's in their best interest, the customer's best interest, all our collective best interests to kind of realign? So, first and foremost, you got to take care of the people. And again, whether that's the customers or the employees, that has to be first and foremost. And you have to value people in the organization throughout from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna spend time mentoring or talking to someone on the front line just as much as I am someone in a C-suite. So, um, you know, you just have to value the people. The other thing is there is no substitute and you have to develop good business acumen. You Mm -hmm. gotta understand the business. You gotta do what it takes to understand how things work, how you make money. How do you, you know, if it's a profit making business, if it's a nonprofit, you got to understand how you define success and what does success really look like. You have to understand what your objectives are and uh, ultimately what are the, um, you know, what are the characteristics of a successful organization or effort there. Uh, you have to be inclusive. Uh, you need to have, uh, again, a shared vision. I referred to that earlier, but yeah. not only, but that vision needs to be uh, collectively uh, collectively built. You need to communicate very well. Uh, how all of that holds together is through uh, consistent, clear communication. Uh, among your peers and throughout the organization, so again, the vision is clearly shared, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and in, and and you get the level of engagement that you need from the employees. So those are, I would say, some of the high, you're great
0: level. ones. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned in, in passing that you're 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 a servant leader. Talk some more about your leadership style.
1: Okay, so. Um, what I would, uh, how I would classify that, and and there's a great book. It's called A Servant Leader. The author, his last name is Hunter, and it doesn't read like a leadership book. And that's probably one of the reasons I like it. It's a story of a guy who uh, is trying to kind of find the meaning of life, and kind of goes to um, a um, um, kind of a self-help camp for a period of time. And, it, and the book is about his revelations mm-hmm. as he goes through that experience. And the, and the bottom line is how that manifests itself for me is the first thing that I want to do when I come into a new situation is make sure that I understand the needs of the team mm-hmm. um, and just understanding Do they feel supported. Do they understand what, what do they see the mission as, as being? Uh, do they feel like they have the resources to do it? I want to get to know them on a personal level uh, as people and not so much just as coworkers and employees. And that's kind of the first step. And then you begin to dig into the business of, okay, where are we? How are we uh, achieving our objectives? Are we hitting the mark? Are we not hitting the mark? Why do we, and, you know, try to collectively build a case of what do we think the reasons for the gaps are, and then try to develop a strategy of execution around improving those gaps where where we need to. And then you have to simplify. So for example, a great example, when I was in Texas and I told you we had a, a um, financial challenge uh, and we had a cultural challenge. So I said, we're gonna do, I simplified our message down to two things. I said, for AEP Texas, We Our plan is the Texas Mm two-step. We're going to get our finances right and that's going to be through. We will have a rate case in the next eight months. We will ride our ship financially through managing our own costs and through going to the state and making a case for us charging the appropriate price for the service that we have. And then we're going to get employees engaged and we're gonna get to a shared vision. And and the the financial part of it was managing the ONN and executing a successful rate case. The culture part of it was executing the very first culture survey in AEP's history and figuring out what was at the core of the disconnection of the employees and then put in in place a plan to to address it. Mm -hmm. And that was a Texas two-step. And Uh we went from an underperforming company to one of the best performing companies, if not the best performing company at the time in in AAP Texas.
0: So it was people and profits, not just focusing on- Absolutely. I like the way you (laughs) say
1: that. I like that even better. Yeah, (laughs) people (laughs) and profits. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yep.
0: So you, you kind of alluded to this, the coaching that you've received along the way. Describe what, what that has meant for you.
1: Oh, it, it's, it's meant a great deal. Uh, some of it has been, um, boy, this is great. And this is what I want to emulate. And some of it was, God, I I hope I'm never like that. You, you also saw what you didn't want to, yeah. What, did what I didn't want to be, yeah. be, too. Yeah. And, um, most of what I have experienced, uh, and I started CSW because I thought CSW when I moved from um Houston Lion Power to which is now Center Point Energy and nothing against them, but the leadership of Central and Southwest was just inspiring leadership. Um, you know, I joined that company in 1995, and my first day on the job just happened to be their leadership conference. And there was a gentleman there, I wanna say his name was Roosevelt Franklin, but he was a Morehouse, he's deceased now, but he was a leader in diversity and inclusion uh, and he was from Morehouse. Mm. And so I come to this company, a utility now, and utilities are not known <clears throat> for being Bastions of forward thinking. Yeah, yeah. And I go here, and the very first leadership meeting, this guy speaks, and the CEO, who's this guy from rural West Texas, just a great guy, you know, I mean, and which also helps you move beyond labels, mm-hmm. conservative guy. West Texas, wife, a teacher, had a great influence on him, really believed in, and, and he was a devout Christian, really believed in fairness and equity and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And he made a decision that that company was going to be better as it related to diversity. And so- and that was that
0: many, how many years ago? Look that.
1: Wow. Wow. And so he was so, you know, that just embodied something and it and he made sure it cascaded down throughout the organization. Now, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't embraced broadly like it is today, but um, but it was a start. And he set a tone and a tempo. And I had a lot of direct interaction with him. And then the gentleman who hired me into the company. Uh, He was just an excellent communicator, excellent writer. He was a former Marine, very matter of fact. And I still use examples of lessons that he taught me about. And one of the most important ones is everyone is replaceable. So, you know, for the reality is that no matter how far you climb up that ladder, no matter how much success you have, you know somebody else can do that job, mm-hmm. and 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 the other thing that I always learned, Michelle, and is that it and it probably helped me with the gratitude piece of it is that I work for someone, mm-hmm. A, AEP, it's my company in that I care what happens to and I'm vested in the success, mm-hmm. but I exist at the whim of the people who own AEP, I don't own Mm-hmm. So you have to always keep that in your mind as you go about your work. And it always keeps you kind of tethered to reality and not get this, you know, as we like to say, the big head mm-hmm. um, about your success. Because, you know, they can decide at any given time that we, hey, we want to go a different
0: direction. That's right, I think that, that also, should inspire you to when you need to take time off, you know, and get balance in your life to do that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Work yourself to death, you you know, you're you're replaceable. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah,
1: that is true. And I heard somebody this morning, I was listening to the news coming uh, back from working out and uh, uh, they were talking about work-life balance and how at the end of the day, you know, Oftentimes when you're there in the toughest part of your life, it's not necessarily the people that you worked with all those years who are going to be there to to really hold your hand and to get right. you through it. It's, it's going to be family and the people that you've really invested a lot of time and energy in. So you just got to keep that balance.
0: Absolutely. So based on your experience, what are some keys to, if you want to share some keys to effective leadership, what would those be? Uh,
1: first and foremost is you got to listen. You got to be a good listener. And one of the challenges always of leadership is leadership becomes a a stamp of approval of your abilities. It's a, it's a you know, it is um, a, uh, you know, it, it's a, like in the military, you know, it's a rank. Mm -hmm. So what you have to be careful on is not believing that that rank entitles your ideas just on their face to be superior, Mm -hmm. that your voice to be the loudest. So you have to make sure you're always listening and gathering information to make the best decision. Now, what it does require is that you have to set up a framework <clears throat> hopefully for making decisions where you gather all the information and you have to be willing to make that call when a call needs to be made and you know maybe you can't reach the consensus that you want but all of that requires listening i think that's the most important thing that you can do is listen and that's throughout the organization that's how you get engagement um and that's how you get to the best solutions is by listening
0: listening all righty righty so as we wind down the the conversation um what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started your career like what do you <clears throat> what did you you know what do you wish you knew back then
1: so I'd say how endless the possibilities are. Mm. I think we, all of us, we can pigeonhole ourselves. You know, you go to school and you say, I'm gonna be an accountant or I'm gonna be an attorney or I'm gonna be an engineer or whatever I'm gonna be. Mm -hmm. And you focus solely on that role. And what I would encourage people to do is to look And wherever you work, whatever you're doing, look at the and whatever it is you enjoy. It could be the place you're working or it could be the skill set that you are deploying. Think really broadly about how those skills can be applied and used in various settings or in various with various challenges, Uh, because I got to tell you, um, you know, I thought I'd be successful. I thought that I would be a professional, and I entered into the into AEP, well, entered into uh, HLMP with that mindset. But I had no idea mm-hmm. that I that my career path would have as many zigs and zags as it's had, and that the experiences would be as diverse. Um, to think about going into the operational side of the business when you're not an engineer. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have that vision. Somebody had that vision for me. And what I would encourage people to do is to really open up their minds, excuse me, open up their minds and, and broaden their vision for themselves, themselves, So, um, you know, what you do is you begin to step back and begin to look around and look around at those things that interest you, that may not be the things that are comfortable or familiar, but you may discover that your, your basic training and that your leadership skills and that your intellect and that your business acumen allows you to go a lot farther than that thing that you thought you were destined to do and be.
0: Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, endless possibilities. So, any parting words? <clears> been <throat> great. I've I've learned a lot. Just soaking. Well,
1: I, I just yeah. thank you for the opportunity, and it's good to connect back to my old Charleston, Charleston, uh, W.V. Uh, <laughs> the Charleston, W.V. And and you know, I had a great time there, and I I loved my job, and I loved the community, and. It was really a a great fulfilling time there. And uh, I appreciate uh, the good work that uh, you've done through your tenure there. I mean, you've left your mark in a lot of places in that community. And, and, And I know I appreciate that both for the broader Charleston community, which you have helped. And then also particularly as a representative of our community, the African-American community, I think it's also critically important that people like yourself are out there fighting, and not just for African-Americans, but for everybody, for, for, for everybody. I think that matters. And I think that's how we get to that oneness that we need to eventually get to the really solve problems in our country. So thank you for that. And thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you so much, Charles. Have a great day. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.